0: You're listening to the Real Estate of Things
1: podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate of Things podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Elliott, joined today by my good friend, Evan Einhorn. Evan, thank you for joining. Hey, thanks for having me
2: on. I appreciate
1: it. For sure. So I'm, I'm excited to have you on the podcast. One area that we haven't touched on in the podcast, and it kind of blows my mind as I sit here today, knowing that we've been on for almost a year and a half. Uh, we haven't touched in the mortgage broker side of the business uh, my quick background uh, really started in the mortgage broker side. I started at Lee One Capital right out of college, was an underwriter, and credit analyst for five months, and then was tasked with building out a mortgage broker sales channel. Right? So of my eight years here, at least six of those years uh, were spent building, growing that channel from zero up to uh, a few hundred million a year in production in our BPL space. Uh, and a full dedicated team we have here. And so uh, I've worked on the retail side of the business, the correspondent, table funding, whole on purchase, but my heart always remains with the broker side of the business. It's the most fun, uh, in my opinion. I uh, love the mortgage broker community and uh, happy to have you here today. So give me, give uh, the audience and I just some quick background on. Uh, your progression and, and how you landed where you are today.
2: Yeah, well, I appreciate that because I think the broker side is, is the most fun too. <laughs> um, I got started in real estate in 2010. I uh, was a real estate agent for a few years, became a loan officer in 2013. And then in 2018, I decided, hey, you know, I think brokers is where it's at. We can get the consumers the most options, competitive pricing, all that kind of stuff so open modern home lending and last couple of years i've been top 100 mortgage broker loan officer in the nation uh, which is kind of cool and a mortgage broker you know that the term is overused i i think a lot of people just call themselves a mortgage broker even though they're just you know at one company but as a mortgage broker you know we have over 30 lenders last year i used 14 different lenders so you know if we come across a veteran looking for a va loan obviously looking to send it one place if we're if we have a, a hard private money loan that fits lima we're sending it to you guys you know so that's that's where we really we really come in and then last year i also started on the co-founder of find wholesale lenders which basically helps educate brokers on different loan programs and different lenders out there Because not every broker does a good job at brokering. I mean, they might be new to the space. There's a big transition of people moving from the big banks to becoming mortgage brokers. So that's my goal to help with that transition.
1: Yeah, it is. In my years being attached to the hip with brokers, that is one of the bigger pain points, especially for newer folks coming in. But as you do more deals, you have wider options of lenders. And it's a double edged sword, right? Like more options is always great, but also logistically, you have a couple pieces of how do I, how do I develop a streamlined process knowing that I have a bunch of lender relationships? Um, how do you, how do you manage that within your business? You said you work with, you know, 30 or so lenders and closed with about half of that number last year. How do, you, how do you keep a high level of efficiency while also making sure you have a wide breadth of options to go to?
2: Yeah, I think, not to toot our own horn, but we are modern home lending, so we like to be more modern <laughs> than the average person. Yeah. And I think, you know, the mortgage industry is way behind its times as far as tech goes. So one, I would say the number one key factor for any broker is just being proactive. So being proactive about signing up with lenders that you might not have a deal today, but Hey, someone next week could come asking, you know, for that specific type of loan or that specific type of product. And then two also learning about those products, you know, and that kind of brings in my, the find wholesale lender project that we were working on just to basically help brokers learn quicker. And then it also comes down to systems so you know we have several loan officers on our team that when anyone submits a loan we try to take you know we we break it down in the process and we try to not to get too in depth but we actually build like conditional logic like hey if we're going to send a loan to this lender we have a templated form that breaks down the process for that lender for the borrower and that helps it because that way we don't have to remember it you know, we kind of break it down up front of if we're going with this lender, here's what the steps will be for going with this lender. But it is a lot, you know, and I do know a lot of brokers that, you know, only use one, two, three lenders. We use a ton because there there are, you know, there's good situations whether it comes to pricing or a specific product that it makes sense.
1: So how, you know, without diving into too much depth on... Uh, how do you, across those 14 lenders, is it relatively evenly dispersed or is it, you know, a 80-20 rule? Um, how how do you find your volume flows through
2: that number of lenders? Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> I would say about five lenders have about 90% of our business. And then the others are more one-offs for unique programs. Um Part of that is because as you grow with productions, these lenders will give you better pricing, you know, so the more you send to them, um, and we always tell our clients, we're looking for the best value. So we're not looking necessarily always for the best price. We're not looking necessarily for the easiest process. We're looking for the best value. So if someone comes to me and they says, and they say, Hey, we're competing with multiple offers, which has happened a lot during COVID we want to close as soon as possible. I might say, Hey, we have a lender that can close in 15 days. They're quarter higher in rate, but that makes sense for your situation. So again, us being the middleman, us knowing what to do. Um, if you're always going with the least expensive lender, they, they may or may not be the best service at that time. So, you know, we'll weigh that if it's a purchase or a refinance, if we have a 30 day purchase, we don't want to risk anyone's home purchase you know, for a lender that might not have the best service. Um, But if it makes the deal work on a refinance, and that's, those are the conversations that we talk very high level with clients, letting them know, hey, we're going to find the best value. And for this specific situation, this is what we're looking at. But it definitely comes with experience and it comes with community. So always making sure you're in touch with other mortgage brokers, in touch with the community. And, you know, if lenders are doing an amazing job, we'd like to promote that. Or lenders are struggling because they're maybe a little backed up. Obviously share that so other brokers are aware.
1: Yeah. And that five or so lender box seems to be the sweet spot in that you can you can develop some good working capital, not capital in the sense of dollars and cents, but just like good working relationship capital with a handful of lenders. And that's to your point, like that that's meaningful, especially, you know, you call in a favor here or there and you You know, they're just more efficiently ingrained within their process and uh, just able to operate more effectively. If you're just shooting from the hip on every single deal, uh, that gets that's a nightmare from a process standpoint. Uh, You're not really building capital. So, you know, you look at covid, you look at uh, the recent environment and changes like that. That capital with lenders really helps like you have a, a client broker relationship, but then there's also a broker lender relationship, right? And um, like you said, like there are benefits that come a lot, a lot of times that flow through to the client. You know, on our side of the fence, we give preferential pricing pricing uh, to some folks with significant volume. And that that helps both parties. It helps broker, helps the retail client. Um some big positives there. What Switching gears a little bit, we're here. We are beginning of twenty twenty three. Uh, what are some of the biggest challenges you see this year uh, as a broker, knowing that you know rates going up last year? It seems like everybody's pretty used to rates being all across the board and moving up. Even though we've had some slight relief lately, which has been nice. I saw the first rate reduction email in what seemed like ages from our credit and capital markets. team jumping for joy on the fourth floor. Uh, but but knowing that probably the story of last year was rates, what do you envision kind of the story for this year? Is it just maintain course or what, what are you looking to?
2: Honestly, I think it's just getting over fears, you know, looking at deals, you know, specific deals. Because I felt, you know, a lot of consumers, brokers, professionals, everyone, October, November, December was scared. And then all of a sudden, and it's different with an investor versus a first time home buyer, but we've had a lot of people get off the fence just in January with rates being a little lower, we kind of made it through the holiday season and, you know, for an investor, if that deal makes sense for them, you know, and they're buying something under market value, because maybe they have an off market deal, you know, take it. It doesn't matter what the market, you know, what the market's doing. If you have something under market, you know, great. If you're a first time home buyer and that monthly payment makes sense and you know, you're going to be there and that's your home for a while, you know, great. So I think that's a big thing is people are tired of waiting for the market to crash. <laughs> I hear that all the time that, Hey, we're waiting for the market to crash. And people are tired of waiting. And it's kind of nice that, you know, we've seen companies like you drop rates and also on the residential, just standard conventional side, you know rates have been slowly dropping since early november as well so that's kind of given some breathing room I, I do think if that continues we'll have a healthy market and we'll be able to crush some of the fears if rates go up you know so a lot a lot will depend on rates because you know people do definitely get payment shock
1: yeah that's a good point too that people waiting for the bottom and it's you know it's, it's everybody's always trying to read the tea leaves and It feels like, you know, the Q4 of last year, the beginning of this year, that we've kind of leveled out and hopefully the worst is where we are now, which would be, I think, a a good worst-case scenario. Um, But it seems like people have increasingly given up hope on there being some precipitous drop off the edge of the cliff. And I think uh, it just just seems to me like a healthy realignment. Like, of course, everybody in this space wants – everything to go up and to the right. But if you know, if you spend two minutes reading about uh, just as high level as you can about the U uh, S real estate market, like that's just not the way it works. It go up, go down a little bit, go up, go down.
2: And I think it's very like people, people put too many generalized statements out there of, Hey, you know, this market is going to go down this much, or this market's going to stay steady or this market's going to go up. I give the example I've in one community that I own in Arizona, different floor plans literally have have gone up or down more than ten percent difference, you know, over time, just because that floor plan gets, you know, so it's so hyper local. So I think it's important that you work with local professionals to really understand that local market and what's going on there and the future of that market. So that's what we do. Yeah, super yeah, really
1: really good point is that you can you can look at national headlines or click on CNBC or whatever and it's yes it matters but then it really doesn't matter for any individual investor really at all unless you have like broad exposure to the entire real estate via securities like it doesn't what's happening on the the broad scale doesn't matter. It's like what's happening in your market, it's all by nature hyper local. So um yeah, and you're seeing like what you what you think you would see, which is the markets that were just absolutely wildly hot. Austin, um, or
2: really Texas as a whole, uh, we ba- so many others in, that we're based were in Phoenix, just, Arizona. So we 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 definitely saw a decent price reduction in some areas, not all of them.
1: Yeah, but then when you look at the fact, in my mind, here's a generalization, even though we want to stay away from generalizations. But you know, you saw COVID hit skyrocketed up with HPA much more of a rocket ship than in a normal market. And the pullback has not been precipitous enough to wipe out even more than what would have been normal appreciations. Like all that said, fast forward from 2020 to 2023. Um, so as we sit here, like two years in, um, three years in, People still have more HPA, have experienced more HPA over the last three years than they would have in a normal market, even with a little bit of a a pullback. And again, like a a generalization, but all that to say, there's a lot of gloom and doom out there that seems to be attention grabbing and headline grabbing. But from from folks who are actually in this day in and day out and you and your firm being um, at the very top of that pyramid, uh, seeing more volume than most, Yeah. Like seems like everything's going to be okay. So this is, this is a good positive. Evan, as we look to close down this episode, I want to throw a super high level question to you. Um, and you, you know, you've seen this really the market from the last few years, from kind of a newer entrant into the space, you know, over the last decade or so, uh, up to someone who is again at the top of the pyramid. So, what advice, what insight would you give uh, kind of a new entrant into the broker space today? Uh, and, and conversely, on the other side of the spectrum, what would you give to some of your, uh, your old warhorse colleagues who have been in this space for a while? Uh, yeah, what, what, uh, what golden nuggets can you impart
2: upon the crew? Well, that, that's a good question, because with the market shift, I mean, I keep saying it's anyone's game, you know, for the next couple of years. You know, we have someone that just joined our team, just got licensed a couple of months ago. They submitted two deals in the last two weeks, which is amazing and better than average. And then unfortunately we've also seen some veterans in the industry not willing change, you know. So I would say for the newbies in the industry, don't even, you know, don't even worry about what market in. Yes, we're way slower than we were in the last couple of years, but who cares? This is the only market you know. <laughs> so education i think is big you know and that's you know we have tons of education at com. that's why we created it for brokers um learning and you know for the new guys it's you know when you're a broker or mortgage professional or even real estate professional if you want to work full time in in the US that's 40 hours a week what are you going to do with that 40 hours a week so i think that's the biggest thing is like you know if you don't have any deals what are you going to do to actually market and educate we're huge on i don't consider myself a salesperson we literally help advise clients and educate clients and i think that makes it easy for you so what are you going to do 40 hours a week to get out there and get business we can talk for hours on how to actually get business but you know what are you going to do with your 40 hours a week do you have a plan or are you just sitting kind of behind your computer screen you know checking your email and hitting refresh <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, no, sage advice. Uh, And and we look at it similarly from a lender's standpoint. Whenever you have a little more time on your hands um, and you're not worrying about breaking record after record month, like how do you sharpen the blade? How do you get better? How do you optimize your day? Uh, For us, it's really tech heavy too, is using these times whenever we're not having record-breaking production all the time to say, like, how can we retool these things? It's much easier to do that whenever, you know, you know, for us when you're doing, um, you know, something less than, you know, 300 million a month, um, which is kind of the, the pre-rate increase norm. Uh, but we'll get back, we'll all get back to it. And, and like you and I talked about here, um, if this, if this is the darkest uh, as my motion sensor lights go off, as I say that, if this is the darkest it gets, uh, we'll be okay. We'll be all right. Uh, for just one more time, uh, you have so many resources available uh, for, for folks who are looking, like you said, to buy a home themselves for personal use, uh, for investors, and for brokers. So you really touch all the bases in the real estate space. Uh, give me one more quick rundown of where people can find you.
2: My residential brokerage, modernhomelending.com. You can find me at an Einhorn there. Um, also on Instagram at Evan Einhorn, you can find me on Facebook, Evan Einhorn, there's only two of us. So I'm the one on mortgages <laughs> and then, you know, find wholesale lenders.com. You know, there's great resources there. Uh, I'm one of the couple people that manage and found it. So you can always get in touch with us there as well.
1: Beautiful, beautiful. Evan, you're, you're traveling and I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your day to record this with me. I wish you and the team the best. It's incredible to, to hear about your trajectory and how quickly you've scaled up to the top. I definitely encourage anybody who's listening, whether you're uh, an investor, whether you're just looking for a home by yourself, personal use, mortgage broker, like hit up Evan and the team. Use these resources I uh, keep on climbing to the top. So thank you again,
2: Evan. Well, thanks, Dalton, for having me. And for everyone out there, the resources are definitely out there. You just got to go get them. Appreciate it.
1: For sure. Thanks, Evan. Thank you all for listening. Take care.
0: Are you a real estate investor looking for the right lender that can finance all your deals and help you scale? Lima One Capital has the best suite of loan products in the industry, bar none whether that's fix and flips, fix and holds, building new construction or buying rental properties, they have incredible financing solutions for it all. A reliable common sense lender is one of the most important parts of your investment team, and that's exactly what you get with Lima One. Let Lima One Capital show you how they've helped thousands of real estate investors scale and increase their wealth. Check out limaone.com or call 800-259 0595 to speak with a consultant in preparation for your next project. Thank you for joining us today on the Real Estate of Things podcast. Subscribe and tune in weekly for new content from the industry's best while we continue to unpack the nuances of this dynamic market. Follow us across social media for additional insights and analysis on the topics covered in each episode. And remember to rate, review, and share the show.